Welcome back to episode 77 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings in hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I am joined by Jason Lewandowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Well, in our last episode, well, it was a skeleton crew, as I heard you guys uh, speak about. Evidently, Jay, when we have uh, conflicts, it's a skeleton crew. You listened. Well, of course I listen. I'm just, I, I, I just have a lot of questions in regard to, uh, I think, Scott, you were building something, putting something together. You, I mean, it, it, I heard comments of work around the house, Danny with his garden, and, and you guys are just movers and shakers in this world. That's what I like. Put it in a blender, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I hear it's, it's Scott's like, welcome to episode 76. This is a skeleton crew. Yeah. I was driving down the road laughing. I was wondering how much Red Bull Scott had before to, to come out of the, the gate the way you normally do. <laughs> well, our last episode, Scott and Danny spoke with Bob Krasky, head coach of the Cleveland Barons U15 program that had an amazing four players selected in the 2022 OHL draft. A week later, three of those players were also drafted in the USHL. There's a lot of work still ahead for those young men um, to advance to the highest level of junior hockey. But what an amazing statement for Ohio, Ohio pipeline uh, of hockey talent. And, and seriously, it was, you know, when I was watching the drafts live, uh, both of them, and, and when those names kept popping up, I was super excited for the kids. But I, I do want to say this. I was super excited for Bobby. Bobby's a stand-up guy. Like, I've known Bobby Krasky for a, my, for a long, long time. Stand-up guy, coaches for one reason. And that's for the betterment of kids. His kids are all gone out of the house. You know, he doesn't need to be doing this for any other reason, but the love of hockey and the betterment of kids. And, and so I'm really happy for, for all the kids and their families, but I'm super happy for Bobby because he, he deserves that because he works so well with those kids. Yeah. And uh, to have four, four kids from the same team going the OHL, you know, they don't have really have great archives for that kind of thing or whatever, but that's gotta be a record uh for the for the barons I, I would think um and yeah a bunch of and they have other options so it's gonna be interesting we're gonna talk to a ushl coach here shortly um do you go major junior do you go tier one junior a keep your college options options open and all that so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with those four kids and you know and some other kids from their team there's also some some uh, ohio trip Blue Jackets players, right? They got drafted, and they've had some strong years in the past. This year, it was the the Barons that uh, you know really had a, a bumper crop, and he's going to step back and start coaching twelve or thirteen yep. year olds, whatever it is, and start with a new group. So, you know, when people think about why you spend that kind of money to to be on a program like that, that's you know pretty good argument right there. Well, another part of that argument though is the coaching, right? 
So that's yeah. a big part of it is the coaching. And, and um, you know, if you spend all that money and you don't get the proper coaching, it's kind of not worth the money. You know, it's like spending Porsche style money for, you know, a Yugo. You know, so those kids that Bobby's going to the 12s or 13s, whatever, whatever age he's going to, they're, they just they kind of hit the coaching jackpot with Bobby in my mind. You know, and he's 100 percent honest. He's an honest person, you know, and, and he for how many years? I don't know if he's still doing it now. I don't know if he has the time, but for the longest time, he was running a youth program or the learn to hockey program at different uh, ranks around the town. And in Strongsville, namely the one I remember uh, working with him at like the real little, little yeah, kids. like learn to hockey. Yeah. And he you know, you see him out there and he's always has a smile on his face. And I'm sure that's the way he coached all season long. And you're going to get a level of honesty if he thinks you can do it. He's going to tell you. If he thinks you can't do it, he's probably going to tell you to go in a different direction. So, you know, hats off to Bobby and the job that he's done so far with those boys. And, and like Sully, like you just said, that, that those 12s, 13s, they're, they're getting themselves the, uh, the gold standard in how coaching should be done. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this week we'll speak with the newest head coach of the United States Hockey League, Ryan Ward, the new bench boss of the Youngstown Phantoms. He's going to join us in a few minutes here, but before he does, we're going to see what's up with the boys, talk a little news. Uh, we look forward to talking to Coach Ward as well. So it's been a bit. It's been a bit there, Lev. Uh, and including it's been a minute, been a, been a fat minute. <laughs> been a fat minute. All right. Test. <laughs> Test. I was just happy I could this find on. I was just happy I could find the studio after <laughs> such a long hiatus. <laughs> I believe the first two weeks I was on suspension. Uh, no, it's 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 great to be back with you guys. I've missed it greatly. Uh, listen to the podcast. You guys have always sounded good, and it's just back in the room with you guys. And uh, so, uh, a couple of cups of coffee uh, or or ice latte. It was prodding you. Or I don't know how many takes it took. Like maybe Danny's like. Uh, no, Scott, breathe. Anyway, no. listen, it's not easy, man. It's not easy. No, I no. mean, you just gotta be, you gotta be that guy. So obviously, uh, coach, I, you know, Lev, I, I, I know you won't mind me saying this, but the, the last month of the high school hockey season is very grinding and it takes, takes a toll on what you do for a living. So you're just making up some time there. Yeah. Uh, glad to have you back. Um, Long, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got some, you got some uh, little little kid lacrosse going, little uh, baseball. Oh, I got it all. I, I I got stories from days that I could tell you on different on a different show, but everybody he's out to prove they were somebody. You know, everybody's oh. got to be somebody. It's a good time listening and watching the kids play. But yeah, work. Uh, uh, this is probably the wrong thing to say, but work sometimes takes a backseat to the coaching, and when the coaching is over for the year, you got to get back on the horse and. Well, when you go ahead and double book yourself, uh, you really have no time whatsoever to do much of anything else. Sure, sure. Scott, um, we, we said before the show that we can't give any free ads. We're going to have to give one tonight, don't yes, you think? We, yes, we do. All right. So um, we, we, do, uh, we do the show live. It's Monday. It's currently 6.09. Um, and uh, I, was, I, I work here at the school that, we, that the uh, studio is at. And we had some stuff going on, some programming going on. And I saw I had to stay late to school and it was like 445. I'm like, well, I'm not going to drive all the way home and then come back. So uh, I walked over to the local establishment, O'Toole's here in Lakewood, Ohio. And um, for show prep. So we do show. Yeah, show prep. And and, uh, Scott uh, walked in 
He sat down and he said he paid four sixty nine a gallon of uh, gas, and then he said he paid six what six fifty nine. It was at a gas station, but six fifty nine for a gallon of milk. Six fifty nine for a gallon of milk. But then we proceeded to get a five dollar calzone, which was the size of a football. So uh, Mondays is half off pizza and half off calzone for O'Toole's here in Lakewood. It, you can't, it can't beat it in today's economy. No, and that's good food too. Yeah, they do. They do a nice job. So they are they are connected with Cyanados, which is that what it yeah, was? It? Down on the flats. Yeah, right across from the foundry. So that's the owners of Cyanados own O'Toole's, and the pizza was or the calzone was one of the it was the most delicious calzone I've had. Well, I haven't had one in a long time, but it was delicious. <laughs> it was and could have saved should have probably saved half for tomorrow's lunch. But one yeah, but one but, of those things though is when you start eating that thing. Yeah, it's going down. It, it's, going down. Keep going. it's going down. It's going down. It's going down. Danny, how you been, buddy? Uh, you know, can't complain. The garden's coming in nice. Um, just made an adult purchase to get new carpeting and some new hardwood put in the oh, house. I was going to say, I was going to say, Danny, this is a family show. Easy, easy. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, no, everything's good. Um, just trying to get some work done around the house with, uh, with baby number two. I don't know if I made the official announcement on the podcast, but baby number two coming in August. Congratulations. So the uh, the honey do list just keeps getting bigger and bigger around here. Yeah. Well, see, now you're, you're playing man to man now with the two children. Yeah. You don't want to go, don't have another one and go zone defense, man. It's a little, it gets a little tough there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard right now. Us, you know, being a man up, uh, put it this way, we discovered, you know, toy dump trucks and taking them into the bathtub, which is a great idea until your son thinks it's hilarious to fill the the better the dump truck up with water and then throw it at you. <laughs> You're having a little uh, trouble on the power play, are you? Yeah. Yeah. You know. All right. I like how, it. how are the flags flying right now? Flags are good. Um, oh, the flags are still flying good. Yeah. They're, they're flying good. Nothing, nothing too crazy uh, yet. Okay. All right. But you know, once that, that warm weather starts heating up around here, I'll, I'm sure we'll have some storms, some storms rolling through. So. I'll well, make you know, sure August, to keep you guys posted. Yeah, July and August is, is, is a stormy time in uh, in Northeast Ohio, so yeah, just got to go from there. <laughs> well, it's actually good to have the whole crew back here tonight, and again, looking forward to talking with uh, new newly named head coach of the Youngstown Phantoms, Ryan Ward. But before that, let's see what's in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. The Toledo Walleyes split the first two games at home and now head to West Valley City, Utah, for games three through five of the East Coast Hockey League's Western. The walleye dropped game one in overtime, but responded with a big five to two win in game two to even the series. Toledo has averaged a league leading 8,200 fans per game in the playoffs after leading the 2017 East Coast Hockey League in attendance during the regular season. We look forward to getting Mark Monroe from Toledo Blade in here next week or the week after to talk about another great postseason run for the walleye. I was telling Scott a story. Um, so Coach Watson his his daughter and my daughter go to school together and um they had their eighth grade graduation friday and that was game one and uh there was a lot of uh, uh wasted time a lot of dead time and i could see him crawling out of his shoes <laughs> waiting to get back to toledo <laughs> and i just kept looking over i'm like go on my watch i'm like what, 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 hey coach what's going on he's like ah. but he i do have to say this um when i was talking to dan he said the place is just jumping yeah. He goes, Sully, it is electric up there. We got to get out there. 
Yeah. So I've, I've actually looked uh, the last couple of home games. I've gone on to look for tickets and they, they go like that. Yeah. So I think not only does Ohio Hockey Digest have to make a road trip out there, but it would be great if we could carpool with Coach Watson. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we can, see, but we've we had can this partake con- out there in Toledo yeah, yeah, yeah. and just get driven back to this part. We've had this conversation with him about what he does on his drive, and I don't think he'd really care for our act of mucking up. Um, well, I did learn that. I did learn that route. Church miles in the back. I did learn that route. He did tell me route two is closed, so he has to take the, a different back road. Oh, does he? He just doesn't like the turnpike. <laughs> Oh, Roy Sommer has retired as serving as the head coach of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate for the last 24 seasons, including the Cleveland Barons from 2001 to 2006. Sommer is the American Hockey League's all-time leader in games coached with 1,742 and victories 808. Who does that? Coaches somebody's farm team for 24 seasons. Unbelievable. I remember uh, Jimmy Pack was an assistant for like four years in Grand Rapids. He's like, all right, what's going Am I going up or what? <laughs> 24 years. But obviously, uh, Coach Sommer just likes coaching the young guys and getting them ready for the NHL. He sent a lot of guys up there. Last week, we talked about players from the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area drafted by teams in the OHL and USHL. This past week was the draft for the USPHL's tuition-free National Collegiate Development Conference. And again, there were some Ohio players selected. Ohio AAA Blue Jackets defenseman Hayes Hundley from Upper Arlington went in the fifth round to the Rockets Hockey Club in New Jersey. Suitors are lining up for Hundley, who was also selected by Sioux City in the USHL draft. The hitmen also nabbed Toledo-born uh, blue liner Jade Hunt from the Little Caesars program. Defense. Defenseman Vinny Ipri of Broadview Heights went to the Jersey Hitmen in the 14th round. He played with the Mount St. Charles U15 team this season. Blue Jackets U16 forward Liam Waugh was picked by the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs. The Utica Junior Comets mined Ohio for talent, picking up a pair of Gilmore Academy 16U players. Forward Jack Rosensteel and defenseman Luke Burke, as well as Hudson's Michael Calabret, who tended goal for Mount St. Charles 16U this season. Finally, Cal Houston of Youngstown who played for the Penn's Elite 16 AAA, went to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Knights. Houston was also taken by the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL draft. Also on Thursday, Matisse Bars, a six-foot-eight goaltender from the Gilmore Prep team, signed with the NCDC's Rockets Hockey Club. Sheesh, yeah. six-foot-eight. <laughs> not a whole lot of net to look at. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Other advancement news, Emma Pickering from Gilmore Academy has committed to Rochester Institute of Technology for the 2023-2024 season. Cleveland Barons U18 Gavin Keller signed with the Junior A Lindsay Muskies of the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And the Pluto Cherokee of the USPHL Premier Division announced that Greg Obriecki has committed to attend and play hockey at Adrian College next season. An update on a previous guest. Ohio native, AAA Blue Jackets grad, and on-air podcast guest, Spencer Cox, finished his freshman season at Long Island University as the third-leading scorer on the team with seven goals and 13 assists for 20 points in 34 games. He was also third on the team with 47 penalty minutes. He was a kid. Remember, we were telling he was telling us who he played for, and he said, he's, well, I went to this camp first, yeah. and that team folded. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. went over, and I played. they <laughs> traded me, and I went to this other team, Thank and they you. folded. So then I went to play over here and they, but I would love, I would love worked out for him. And, and Scott, 
see if you can if, see if we can arrange this in a serious uh, a question. I'd love to get the head coach of Long Island or yeah, uh, Long Island. Yeah, I'd Long love Island to get the University. head coach and have him go through the process of starting a Division One program during the, the height of the pandemic yeah. in a city mm-hmm. that was a hotbed. Yeah, I'd love to hear him talk us through that. I think that would be a great listen. Okay, yeah. one, two, three, get on that, Scott. All right, come on. <laughs> That'll conclude Scott Harrington's appearance here tonight. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that would be something that love, people would love to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, selfishly, I'd love to hear that. And there was another item in here. I took it out, but Augustana in uh, South Dakota, they're going to join the CCHA next year. I saw that, uh, I saw that uh, yeah. Next year, the year, yeah, after, okay. next year, the year after. Um, So more teams are at I keep waiting for the Pac-10 oh. and the SEC to start adding teams like crazy. One other bit, bit of news I, I read to that Illinois – They've stopped. Kai yeah. Boston. They Boston. Yeah. yeah, they were pretty close too. Yeah, and they just said it's just not going to happen. Big Ten. You would think any Big Ten school. It seems obvious. Yeah, they made the announcement. Yeah, Penn State did it. Of course, they got a big grant, uh, a lot of money from Pagula. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you guys been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs? We can talk about that a little bit. <laughs> you asked me over uh, at O'Toole's with the five dollar uh, uh, calzone if I was watching any of it. It's like a love hate relationship for me. Because obviously I got to be at school early and those West coast games don't get over till one 30 in the morning. So it, I've been watching, I, you know, I said over there too much. That's not too much, but I just like the next day I am just spent, yes. but it, but it's, it's, it's a revolving door. I'll, I'll do the same thing again every night that, that they're on. Well, if you like hockey and there's five game sevens That's on, crazy. on a Saturday and Sunday, I mean, what are you going to do? Right. I can handle the Saturday and Sundays. Yeah. And I don't, I don't stay up for the late games. I gotta be honest. Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. Well, uh, they have those nice uh, nine-minute highlight packages on NHL. Yeah. Whatever. Like, NHL. But uh, it's, 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 I mean, I, I just, if I start watching the game, I'm, I'm all in until I wake up at three o'clock in the morning on the couch. Right. At some point, have I, have I made it through every game awake? Absolutely not. No. Right. So what do you think of uh, – so Tampa Bay squeaks by Toronto in the seventh game by a goal. Now they're, they're, rolling. they're hammering Florida. Rolling. Well, the and good I, news is Jumbo's in the lineup tonight. Is they're, really? they're playing tonight. Yeah, oh, J- that'll J- fix it. Jumbo's in the lineup tonight. Uh, I was listening to uh, NHL radio uh, while I was on my way here, and they weren't really sure where they were going to fit Jumbo into the lineup. Maybe some PP time, but – that, that sounds kind of odd to, to say. Me, to I, I, it's something my son says to me. I have pee pee time. To me, that tells me they they know they're not. They're just hey, get him in. Let him. Do you play think the they're going to beat Vasilevsky four times? <laughs> I don't. No. No. Especially when he's what did they say? He was seventeen and zero coming out of yeah. a loss. Yeah, that's crazy. So you win tonight, and he had, Florida. He had five straight shutouts in elimination games at one yes. point, and then he gave up one, I think, against Toronto, but. Just crazy. Um, how about the Rangers? Rangers in Carolina, that's not really uh so the hurricanes knocked my team out, so I'm pissy about that. But um but as we talked about, they didn't Boston was outplayed. No, 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 better team one. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, for yeah. sure. But I haven't seen a whole lot of that one. I did see uh some of the Battle of Alberta. Oh Connor McDavid was absolutely insane last night. Ten postseason games, he has at least two points in nine of them. So oops, sorry. They, they threw a stat out last night that Wayne Gretzky, I think it was like 1984 or whatever it was, 1984 played 24 uh, post 
season games and had whatever. Let's just let's just call it forty points, right? Um, the goalie pads are the size of this tissue box, right? And um, <laughs> McDavid has more points in ten games. Yeah. <coughs> just sick. It's just insane. I mean, it, the way that he played yesterday. I know he's played well all playoffs, but the way that he played yesterday yeah. was, was it's out of control. I mean, Evander Kane three goals and what was it? Six 16 minutes, minutes, six minutes, six minutes, whatever it was last night, six out minutes. of control. And it was, I mean, <clears throat> I wish like most hockey, most youth hockey players could, could watch that and see the unselfish play. And we, we always, we always say to our, our kids and our defense, the guy that scores the most goals is the guy without the puck. Look at that situation last night with Kane. Go to the net, put your stick down. Jeez. And he just puts it right in the tape. That's crazy. And the, the last series with LA, they beat. He had was that an overtime game seven uh, or game uh, maybe it was game it was, six I, I don't know it was the late. one where he did the wraparound yeah, yeah and he got stopped and then he kicked it to his stick and did, he had like yeah. three or four shots and he couldn't get he just wasn't gonna be stopped but the, but the way that McDavid just controls Ridiculous. the ice is it's out of, I mean if if people say that Connor McDavid's not the best player in the NHL right now they they don't understand the game of hockey. Well, no. there was, you know, I'm fortunate to have the uh, Canadian Sportsnet feed and I was watching TNT's feed about Connor. Paul Bissonnette made the comparison of Connor McDavid playing right now to Wayne Gretzky. And every single guy on that panel agreed with him. Wow. It's wow. 100% true. Yeah. You look at dry settles banged up. So he's got an ankle problem. So he's not moving it as, as fluid as normal. So Connor had to step his game up. And Evander Kane, who's, arguably a very polarizing individual in his outright. Uh, they bring him into Edmonton and uh, here you can not only somewhat keep up with Connor, but you can finish. Well, <laughs> welcome to the Edmonton Oilers. There's three goals in six right. minutes. Yeah. And, and they, they also talk about on the panel that, that he is a true power forward. Yes. And you don't have too many power forwards in the NHL anymore. You know, so I that that spin move that he made, uh, Connor McDavid the last night, put it through his feet too. Well, that was on the goal. Oh, but okay, this was okay. this was an opposite one. He almost it was like a Gila floor spin. It was out of control, and just how smooth and the and the awareness and where he is on the ice compared to where other people are and the puck. It just it's so fun to watch. But at some point, I catch myself going like, "How is that possible?" That he makes he it, literally last night. I'm telling you. He looked like he was playing against a junior varsity high school team. And, and the best part about that is he's not doing that against like the 32nd ranked team in the NHL. No. no. I mean, it's insane. Good God. Calgary is a, a very, very good team. I mean, they're just, and they're big and they're physical. And, and they got the Kachuk rooting for him in the stands. Yeah. yeah. All you of see, them. Just, you pound, see, you see, just crushing beers. Kachuk had, had, a, what a, Kachuk had a hat trick of, of, of what, last week or whatever, whatever game it was. And Big Walt wouldn't throw wouldn't, the, wouldn't throw his hat on the ice. They are all crushing beers, man. They got oh, two yeah. in the back pocket, one in the hand, yeah. just yeah, just awesome. having a good time. Well, do you see? There's a little bit of a uh, a battle between him and uh, um, Kachuk and uh, my mind just went there. Dallas. No, um, Cassian. Move on to the next news item. I'll Ooh, figure senior out. moment. Uh, senior moment. Did. Uh, Kane. Did you him see? and Kane are going at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Kane are going at it. Did you hear the words? No. You poor baby. You because you, you know Evander Kane has pled bankruptcy before. Yeah. And he called him a poor baby. And then they were having a, a discussion between the benches. He goes, You need some money? You need some money? That was Kachuk. Oh, geez. How 
However, I want to go back to the Dallas series when uh, when Jamie Ben they asked him a question in a post game and they said, "Were you surprised that Matthew Kachuk did not take you up on your offer to fight?" And Jamie Ben, I've seen Jamie Ben up close, a massive, massive man, and he sits there and, and, and he says, "No." And they said, "Why are you surprised he didn't take you up on that?" Or why aren't you surprised? And he says, "He's a smart kid." Like, oh, oh yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, for sure, the the, the chucks are having themselves a time for sure. Uh, in um, Calgary, in Calgary, man. And did you uh, did you see uh, Water Bottle Gate? Oh, that was fantastic! <laughs> Absolutely fantastic! Absolutely. And, and he I he think may or that's may true. not have just thrown a water bottle at me. And the clip I saw, I think it was on Twitter, was of a water bottle on the floor. Yeah. In the middle of his post game interview. Well, there had to be enough people around. They got to be able to tell us if that happened or not. Oh, it did. Yeah. Well, I mean, did it happen? Did it not? Well, let's welcome to the show. Uh, go ahead. You can you can prompt this. We, Scott. Have, we have a uh, surprise visitor to the show, or a special visitor to the show. Um, you know, we did the uh, the fantasy hockey episode last year, and we said that we would allow the champion to come on uh after the season was over to talk about it so uh has our guest joined us yet no so we're going to keep talking uh, tyler you there where's your video where's, oh, oh there, there he is, is. Oh, Jesus. oh there he is oh that's uh, right uh, that's <laughs> oh sorry guys he's got the goat sweatshirt on and everything I mean, uh, i don't know what happened there my zoom was a little weird uh, <laughs> that's classic right there brother is that a boston no no they're out my bad <laughs> how's it going great to be here it's an honor that's <laughs> thanks for coming on uh so uh you are the 2022 bhl champion so we said we would let the uh winner come on and gloat so have at it i don't know scott you burn, not... you burn the opportunity tyler i, I will say this on our script it, it does it's like 10 minutes for the news half hour for the interview Tyler Widden, 32 seconds. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, that would make me last longer than Scott did in the playoffs. Ooh. Plus minus leader right there. It's the worst stat in sports. And even though I lost that stat in every round, I still managed to win the dumb league that Harrington started 30 years ago for the fifth time. It's not the fifth time. Isn't that fourth time? All right, maybe four. Yeah. What's one more? <laughs> uh, no, it feels good. And uh, it feels even better knowing that I beat Scott four times in a row in the playoffs. Was it? Oh, what? you swept them? Oh, you swept them? No, oh, I mean, four years in a row. I don't know if that's true either, but it's, it's, it sure like, feels like it. Who's the stats guy in this league that can come up with these answers? Because apparently you're saying one thing and Scott's denying the other. No, I'm not denying. It's, it's, it's close to that. Yeah. I think it's four out of five he years. My, he has my number, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I can't lie. I, I, as I like what to say, I Toronto Maple Leaf him in the playoffs. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he always does better than me in the regular season, a, but come playoff I've a, time. I've had a five-year window to to win, which just closed this how, year. How so many I'm, how many trades did you make to uh, solidify your roster for the playoffs? <laughs> Look, I'm drinking out of the cup. <laughs> how many trades did I make or how many did I offer to people? Because people turn my trades down, which I don't understand why. I lose every trade I make. If I make somebody trade offer in our league, they should accept it right away with glee. If you were an <laughs> NHL general manager, Tyler, you do know that your guys, you would never tell guys to find a place to live. 
they'd all be able to stay at a motel six because you're you're a revolving door of your I already said sent a 15-point plan for Don Sweeney, GM of the Boston Bruins, the second they were knocked out of the playoffs. I have every team's uh, five-year plan ready for trades they can make, players they can pick up. It would be amazing. I should be an NHL GM. I think my record proves that I'd be a success. (laughs) I think you should stay. I think you should go to Montreal. Well, I wouldn't go there. That's the one damn city I wouldn't go to. So what's the uh, uh, before we uh, uh, get going? What's the drink of oh, the Bush Light out of the cup? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is. I had margaritas earlier, but I ran out of salt to put down the rim. Hey, I understand. I understand you took the cup and your winnings, and you went to your uh, your your cabin near the near the pond to celebrate this past weekend. I did. I even took my son. I wanted him to enjoy and experience what it is to be a champion in the company from a lineage of champions um you know some people brag about my godfather who won two stanley cups and is in the hall of fame and probably has the most recognizable mask in all of sports for That's those li- for those whatever. listening that may not know who is your godfather well you can't drink out of his mask jerry cheevers <laughs> very good and it you know what like he doesn't it. have he never took his kids camping out of the Stanley Cup. I know he didn't take his godson, that's for sure. No, no, he sure didn't. I don't think he could pick his godson out of a crowd of two. I'm just honored that my son, at the age of 10, had his first beer out of the Harrington Cup. Oh, hey, it looks like he the it looks like the league's pretty prosperous. That that cup looks pretty good. It's actually, I'm amazed. <laughs> it hasn't leaked at all. I don't know what I, I put some coffee on it to make sure. No uh, cup leaked. So no. Tyler sent me a picture of his daughter holding the holding the trophy after she he said how excited she was. Like, just don't tell her what it's I for. swear to God, my daughter, uh, <laughs> it's like the greatest thing she's ever seen. She was so amazed. Today she had her friend over from school. She like took it off the mantle and like, you know, took the candles out of it and the lights and then like showed it off to her friend and like held it around like she was at a pageant. She was more impressed than I am. That's funny. That's great. All right. Well, that's enough. That's all the time we have. So we, we appreciate you thanks coming for, thanks on. Thanks for to, stopping by, Ty. To rub my hey, nose cheers, in. boys. <laughs> Here's to the the part is it was the semifinals. It wasn't even the finals, but <laughs> congratulations, Ty. That's not that's not a good luck. Bye, Ty. Bye, all boys. Right. Good. All right. Congratulations. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training sessions. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Well, I'd like to welcome Coach Ryan Ward. was named sixth head coach in the history of the Youngstown Phantoms on May 17th. The Bowling Green grad was mostly recently director of player development for the Tri-City Storm of the USHL and also has experience as an assistant coach with the Sioux Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League and as a video coach in the National Hockey League and for USA Hockey at the World Championships. Please welcome on air 
head coach Ryan Ward. Thanks Welcome, for coach. having me, boys. Uh, sounded like you guys had a pretty lively uh, experience so far here today, so that's good. Yeah, well, thanks, Coach. We were, uh, we had to get a little bit of uh, uh, the razzing in on uh, Scott Harrington here from the uh, Fantasy Hockey League, so appreciate your patience with, with us there. No, I love it. I love it. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, doing well. First of all, congratulations on the head coaching job at Youngstown. Um, the USHL is a tremendous level of hockey, and we are fortunate to have the Phantoms here in Northeast Ohio, right in our backyard. We want to hear more about next year's team, but uh, you have only been on a job for a week. So let's start out with some of the softballs here. Tell us where you grew up, how far uh, your career progressed as a player, and how you got into coaching. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm from Asonet, Massachusetts, so it's a little town about 35, 40 minutes south of Boston. Um, you know, I, I, I played growing up a little bit there and not, not very high level. Um, but no, I, you know, it, it's funny. I got involved at a young age with the Providence Bruins and kind of uh, started with doing when I was 12 and 13, doing like equipment stuff. And, and then, um, you know, video started to become big. So um, I found myself at Bowling Green uh, doing um, all the video actually in your intro. I, I was roommates with Russ Sinkowich, who uh, runs the Ohio Hockey Project there. So um, yeah, so I, it was great. It was a good experience. I, I think for me, as video got bigger, roles kind of uh, roles in hockey got bigger. And I was just um, fortunate enough to be with a lot of good people there early on and, and um, went from Bowling Green to the New York Islanders with Scott Gordon and then Jack Capuano and then on to the Maple Leafs and, and kind of started on the bench in the Sioux and um, you know, kind of went from there. So we know you worked in the, in the Ontario Hockey League, the American Hockey League, the NHL, before you ended up in Tri-City in the USHL. Where were you last year? So, yeah, last year I was working with Anthony Noreen and the, the guys here uh, in Tri-City as the director of player development. So um, it was kind of a group effort with the draft and, and just overall that organization. Then I, I was the hockey director um, for the Windy City Storm, which was our youth organization um, in Chicago. Um, so we oversaw all of that. We have U18 all the way down to U10. And I uh, coached the U15 team the year before and the U14 or U13 team here, um, the 2008 group uh, this year. So kind of a little bit of everything. I was, um, you know, obviously running the program. You're involved with kind of all the teams. So um, just between Tri-City and, and our youth organization here, it was uh, enough to keep me busy. What were some of the things that made each of the stops uh, along your, your coaching careers there? What, what, what made them almost stepping stones to where you're at today? Yeah, I think when you don't play at a high level, I think it's really important to, to gain as much experience as you can. Uh, for me personally, the thing that, that made it most important um, were two things. Number one, the quality of coaching people that I, I was able to work with. Um, I think, um, you know, all along the way, and I've said this before, but <clears throat> I'm a big believer in a, kind of one plus one is three is you, you have your philosophy of what you like to do with your players and what you like to do with your teams. And then you take things that you learn from other people and integrate that into your own philosophy. Um, I think, I think obviously uh, without saying I've been super fortunate to work with some of the best coaches in the world um, and having that opportunity has been absolutely vital to, to my career and my experience. And then, you know, most importantly, probably is, is the players, the quality of players and the, and the people, um, the athletes that you get to work with along the way in, the, you know, from our teams in the Sioux and even with the Marlies that that year, um, you know, we had Kevin Hyman or Zach Hyman, um, Connor Brown, Willie Nylander, like those guys in their early stages coming up to, to 
you know, trying to make the NHL. Um, so just the quality of player. And, and honestly, as a coach, I feel like you learn as much from, from the players as you do um, from the people you work with on the coaching staff. So um, being able, being really fortunate for me, like to be able to work with those players and the, the quality of, of coaches and people that I had around the most important thing at every stop that, that I've been in. Was the, uh, when you were with the Greyhounds in the OHL, was that the first place you were behind the bench? Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was my official, like first bench coaching job, I guess you could say. Um, so I was in charge of the forward development and running the power play, uh, for the hounds. I was really like, we had unbelievable groups both years. I was there the second year we ended up losing to Hamilton in the OHL final, but I think we were 55 and seven, um, and had like a 23 game win streak. So that was really cool. Uh, a lot of those guys are, are now playing, um, you know, pro hockey or in the NHL. So, um, that was a, a really fun year. I think it, I learned a lot like that from a skill standpoint. And I don't know if there's been a better team to come through the, <laughs> the Ontario hockey league in a while. So, um, but yeah, that was the first job behind the bench. Obviously it was, it was great. I worked with a great staff and drew Bannister and Joe Sorella, Kyle Raft. This was our GM. So, um, you know, learned a lot from those guys and it was, uh, it was vital to, to where we are. Tell today. us what, uh, a video coordinator, a video coach does exactly, uh, especially at the NHL level. I'm sure it's different. They're asking you to do different things for each team or staff, but just kind of give people an idea in general what that job entails. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a job that goes well beyond video. I, I think for me, the the biggest uh, the biggest part of the job description um, as a video coach is you're analyzing your team's play. You're doing a lot of um, analyzing your team and your players for individual development, um, obviously working hand in hand with the rest of your staff to kind of figure out what you guys need to get better at, uh, what the players need to get better at. You know, you're kind of a, an in-between between the development staff, the coaching staff, the management, um, and, and a lot of it's preparation. And I think for me, like when you're talking about systematically and installing, uh, you know, different types of, of systems and the way you want to play and different identities, I think when you when you have that experience doing video and you're watching every team to pick apart their flaws and their deficiencies and then build your game plan on, on your team strengths, I think it gives you a little bit of a, a different experience uh, from a systemic standpoint and, and trying to make sure that your game plans are tight and your installations tight. Um, you know, so I, I think the biggest thing is probably analyzing your team and your players. And then obviously a ton of pre-scouting goes into it. Um, you know, for me, um, you know, we did a lot of draft prep. We did a lot of uh, professional scouting from a trade standpoint. Um, you know, so there's a ton that goes into it. The biggest part of it is obviously analyzing your gameplay and your individual players and then um, the teams that you're, you're playing against. Um, you know, we would watch three games on every team that um, we're about to play and break down, obviously, tendencies and That's personnel. And I, like I, that. When I think of it, I think more of, you know, your own team, your own players. But so you're doing advanced scouting on the opponents. That's interesting. Um, how much of what you're doing is happening? Are you sharing information with coaches and players during the game? or between yeah so you're you, that's a great question so um like obviously it it makes it a lot easier to come i mean as you're sitting there doing things and, and tagging things and analyzing things um you're noticing trends within the game right like obviously hey we're, we're not managing 
the puck properly through the neutral zone. We're not exiting cleanly. Um, our entries are, are bad or whatever it is. We're, we have no sustained offensive zone pressure. Um, so I think when, when the coaches come in in between periods and, and you're sitting there and the film's up and you're trying to make adjustments and you're trying to be able to, to get it ready to, to show the team in between periods, um, it's a little bit of everything. And I, and I think um, there's some communication with the players uh, on little things such as face-offs or you know, certain plays that happen in a game. Um, obviously, there's a ton of of communication between the coaching staff with, with what, um, you know, you have five guys in a room trying to break down what you need to fix to go out in 17 minutes and execute to, to win a hockey game. Um, so it kind of, it, it's a little bit of everything, honestly, you know, management is, is looking for different things. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a really, really good experience, especially when you're younger, um, just to get that knowledge and, and from a coaching side of it, the processes and, and um, really how you go about your daily workflow. What so you said you started with uh, Providence in the yeah. AHL? What what type of technology were you dealing with then versus what you have at your well, disposal now? Yeah, I mean it's insane when you just talk about how far everything has come technologically. I, I mean I remember um, Scott Gordon asking me to, you know, I would have to I'd have to push record on on he had like adobe premiere he was using and uh the file sizes were like 40 gigs per period right um, so it was crazy and even with the islanders you're you know we would help each other out so the you know if the rangers or that's a bad example because they were in new york but so carolina would be coming in and they're like hey wardo like can you record the colorado ranger game so you're literally like recording the game and handing off a dvd at the hotel front desk or you know what i mean now everything's available to download so um the technology's come so far i, I remember we, we would have to carry around these terabyte these massive terabyte hard drives right and they were uh they were huge they weighed like eight pounds each and you'd have to carry 40 of those around a season so um yeah it's changed tremendously obviously now if there's anything we need we pull up instat and type in a player's name and 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 you get all their shifts all their scoring chances uh, um you know going through even right now, like our video as a, as a coaching staff, we have weekly meetings just to install, you know, kind of how we're going to play next year and, and make sure our meetings are tight and um, everything like that leading into training camp. But it's literally, you pull up any game on Instat and uh, you can go back and, and clip anything you want. Right. So it just makes the process so much, so much easier. And I think you see that with the details and the habits that the kids play with these days. Um, I think the coaching is better because the resources are better and the access is a little bit easier. Um, but, but quite honestly, like you look at the playoffs and the NHL, I don't think there's ever been so much parity in the league. And, and a lot of that is just access to, I mean, these kids are such good players these days. And um, a lot of that just comes from access to, to development. So with all that work you have to do and all that, all the breakdown and the pre-scout and the scouting and your own players, how many nights a week do you think you actually slept in your own bed? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a great question. I, I slept at the rank, especially as like a young single guy. Like, like I, I probably was at the rank from 8am to one or 2am every day. And mo most of the time you just sleep there. Right. Um, so, you know, especially breaking into the NHL and um, you know, you, you're there nonstop and, and it's, it's, I mean, you see it, you know, football, football is actually even crazier. I don't know if you guys know football workflow at all, but those guys are absolutely insane. They break down everything for like 10 years. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's very few and far between during the season that you're sleeping a, a solid six in your own bed. <laughs> so you, uh, uh, have you hired a video coordinator or video coach for, uh, for Youngstown yet? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting when you go, obviously unlimited resources, 
pretty much in the NHL. And then, um, you know, when you go down leagues, you have to kind of, a lot of people have to wear different hats. I think that, um, you know, what we'll probably do is find someone that can uh, be a dual role or, or we're looking, you know, like we're going to, I love to, I love to get young young people involved, you know, whether it's someone from Youngstown state or um, someone that's interested in sports, that's, that's local to Youngstown. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have someone come in and learn and cut the game and um, start kind of being part of our coaching staff. And um, you know, I really like to get, you know, the younger people involved that want to learn the game, because at the end of the day, someone did that for me a long time ago. Right. Well, whoever that person's going to be, they're going to have a great uh, mentor in yourself with that. Um, in your la- latest stop, you were the director of player development uh, for the USHL's Tri-City Storm for yeah. two years. Excuse me. Uh, this is an interesting role. You're not a coach, but you're not the GM. What does the role entail in the, at the USHL level? Yeah, I think I think it's, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of the USHL is, is scouting, right? Helping with the draft and, and making sure you know the birth year coming up and the, probably the, the one after and, you know, all the phase two inside and out. So we were very, very fortunate with Tri-City to have – um, a, a ton of people helping. Um, so we had our GM, Jason Kohler, and um, obviously Anthony Noreen knows the league ex- like, unbelievably well. Um, but we also had our youth program and our coaches that were with our youth program that were out coaching every single day at these levels. So I, th- I think the biggest role that we had was just being thorough in the process, right? Like with Anthony and Jason and just making sure that we all, you know, Anthony did a great job of making sure everyone worked together. And, um, you know, that was the biggest part of the role. And then the other part for me was uh, dealing with the players a little bit as a, as a, a sounding board um, every now and then for things that were an adjustment and obviously making the jump as a 16 or 17 year old to the USHL is never a easy thing to do. It's a very, very difficult league. Um, it's fast. It's hard. It's skilled. Um, and you have a lot of hungry players that are going to go on to, to play NCAA and pro hockey. So uh, a lot of that was just, you know, being there as a resource for the guys. And, and quite honestly, like Anthony and I worked together in Toronto when I was with the Leafs, he was our ECHL head coach. So he and I just kind of uh, ran the hockey side of, of, you know, the youth program and the USHL program is great. So you, you talked about going out and finding these kids and, and, you know, with the youth leagues and all that, um, obviously there's, feeder leagues for the USHL. Where do you have the most success finding players? What leagues do you guys, uh, or do you, I don't want to see a focus on because players come out of all different leagues, but what what is one, a couple leagues that you guys really kind of throw, throw a little focus on? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's not necessarily leagues. Like it's totally different phase one to phase two of the draft. Um, And and phase one, you're not necessarily even phase two, to an extent, you're not necessarily looking for leagues as you are, for programs that do a real good job of developing their players. Right. So, um, you know, obviously there are different programs throughout the country and I think everyone has positives and negatives and good things to offer, but, um, for us, we just look for players that come from a program that are going to prepare their players for the daily routine of, of, you know, doing video and skill development and, and just a a natural trend for their players when they come out to be ready for the grind. Um, We always talk about it, you know, with our guys now in Youngstown and um, like, we don't want normal kids, right. To, to to be a normal kid, um, you know, that just practices twice a week and then, and then goes and, and 
tries to play on the weekend and then come out of there, it's really hard, right? So now everyone is doing extra, everyone's doing more. So the skill development side of it, the, the video, like finding programs that get their people um, ready to play at the next level. Those are, those are the players that usually come into our league and have success. And I think um, there are a ton of good programs throughout the country. I think we have um, good relationships with all of them. I, I think, you know, there's <laughs> quite honestly, there's so many players now, especially in the non-traditional markets where, um, you just have to work real hard and do your job. And I think you rely on your network. I think you rely on your co coaching staff, especially in the USHL. Um, you know, everyone kind of wears a scout hat. And, and obviously we're fortunate in Youngstown to have two GMs that do an unbelievable job and are super plugged into the youth hockey program. Um, we have an unbelievable scouting staff with, with you know, Jeff Cox kind of heading that up and, and Timmy Parkos and those guys. So, um, you know, you just lean on your group of people and, and um, you kind of, all sit together and, and figure out what you like and what you value in players. And, um, you know, you do it that way, but, but I think it's more, when you're looking at players, it's more looking at, uh, the program they come from and if they're willing to do the, the little things and have the habits and details to have success at the, at the next level. Right. So you mentioned you got, uh, the GMs, you got the scouting staff, what role is the head coach play in, in that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, sitting through the draft as a head coach for the first time a few weeks ago um, was awesome. It was very, it was a cool experience. I mean, those guys are so prepared and thorough with with talking to agents and watching video and doing research on, on the various players. Um, I think the head coach, more than anything, um, we set the direction for how we want to play, what we want to look like, the identity, identity of our team. Um, and I think that, you know, you lean on the guys that you have in the room to, you know, provide those players to your program. Right. So, um, you know, more, you know, as much as you're scouting and things like that, it's more providing a direction and identity for where we want to go. So we know you're aware that there's talent here in Ohio. I mean, not only did you attend Bowling Green State University, you also co-founded the Ohio Hockey Project with friend of the show, Russ Sinkwich. Oh, yeah. So you know what an astounding job he's doing uh, developing skills at the young players in this area. How long were you with the project? Yeah, it was a couple of years there. Russ and I actually, it all stemmed from a, a senior project we did. And then we started talking and then, um, you know, I think we, we were there a couple of years and then Russ kind of took it over because my, my career went in a different direction and um, he just had way more time in the summer. So, um, you know, obviously Russ, I, I can't say enough about Russ, like, I spent a lot of time with him in college. We've, I actually just talked to him last week um, after all this stuff got announced and uh, we're going to connect here, but yeah, Russ is an unbelievable human. I, I love to see what he's doing um, in his home state. He has so much pride for Cleveland and, and Ohio and uh, obviously played at St. Ed's there. So, um, you know, he, he's got so much pride for the, the, the state and what he's doing. I mean, it's, it's awesome that he's being a resource to, to help. And I actually coached uh, Timmy Gettinger in the Sioux and Timmy was a, was a summer league, uh, the summer elite league player. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, Timmy, Timmy's the man. So honestly, no, it's just, it's great to see when you have guys that have the passion like Russ and uh, want to help the kids get better and reach their ultimate goals. I mean, he just, I, it's phenomenal what he's doing. So you said you talked to him last week. Yeah. I, I, I talked to him today and, and uh, he said, I, I'm not allowed to ask you so much on air, but he did say, Ask him what he thought of St. Patrick's Day at Bowling Green. Yeah, I mean, St. Patty's Day at Bowling Green. <laughs> he just got hired, Jake. Come yeah, on. Know, Come on, I man. <laughs> no, it was supposed to be a tame question. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Hey, listen, I 
Russ, uh, Russ and I lived together on Worcester street or Worcester street in Bowling Green. Um, and, uh, I think early in the morning we would, we would play, uh, shipping up to Boston, um, on our surround sound. And, and that started the day for us, but no, it was, uh, St. Patty's day at Bowling Green's legendary. I, uh, it was a, uh, it was always a good time, especially with sink in the house. See, we always ask the hard hitting questions here. Thank you. Thank you for answering <laughs> right. as much as you could. I like it. I like right. it. We're, all, we're, we're trying to keep them uh, employed here. Jay. Come on. <laughs> so before we ask you about this year's uh, Phantoms team, um, the world championships yep. are going on right now in Finland. You had the opportunity to be a part of that uh, two times for team USA. First of all, where the two that you were able to attend, where were they held? Yeah, actually, the first one was unbelievable. It was kind of unfortunate for the 2010 U.S. team because it was an Olympic year that that year in Vancouver. Um, so the player pool is is obviously shrunk during an Olympic year um, because players are tired and doing two international events really is, is tough. But we had a great group of guys and we actually played in um, – uh, we actually set the record for the most spectators to ever view a hockey game before the big house winter classic. So uh, it was in FC Schalke's uh, building. And I remember uh, being up in the press box on the headset and we ended up losing to Germany in overtime. And the energy in the building was so incredible um, that my computer shut off, like everything shut off, everything went crazy uh i believe there were like 80,000 74,000 people or something in the building um so we were in gelsenkirchen and cologne germany um and it was unbelievable it was such a cool experience it was the first time i had ever been to europe we had a great group of, of players um we didn't have a ton of success at the tournament but um it was a great experience and for me just to be able to to represent your country as a small part of it um, was an unbelievable, unbelievable feeling. And obviously USA hockey does a tremendous job. And now you're going to see just the, the national team keep growing and growing. Um, and then the second time was in 2012 in Helsinki. Um, we did much better. We ended up losing to Finland in the quarterfinals, Jack Johnson or someone ended up dropping their stick and just a weird bounce. But, but anyway, that was in Helsinki. So um, those two experiences were unreal. Uh, like I said, being part of team USA is, it's probably the biggest honor you can have as a coach, at least for me, um, you know, being able to represent your country uh, at the highest level. And obviously that tournament is such a fun tournament. And the fact that they have it in Europe with all the European fans and um, it's just such a, such an awesome, awesome experience. Well, they take it a lot more serious over there than, uh, I mean, it's not really a big deal here in North America. Right. Um, but so for the players, it's kind of a, I mean, it's a competitive environment. Obviously you're playing for your country, but it's the season's over and it's kind of an interesting balance of, you know, being over there to see Europe with your family and compete. Um, what is that like? And then is it the same for the staff or are you, are you just working the whole time you're there? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like any, it's, it's funny. Like when you're coaching, like you can't get out of your routine that you normally have, right. You're always pre-scouting your, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, I think we, we had a, a ton of fun and um, you know, guys will go out for dinner and, and spend time, but it, it's, it's a lot of work. And, and I think the players have a blast, you know, the nice thing that USA hockey does fly your, you know, I, I was engaged at the time. So my fiance flew over to Finland and um, they do a great job with that stuff. And, and um, you know, but is it, you know, we had an off day in, in Finland and we, we took the, um, the ferry over to, to Tallinn, um, Estonia. And, and it was, it was awesome. So 
just to, to, to kind of mix the culture piece of it with the, with the high level hockey, um, you know, and, and especially the, the amount of people that you see from the hockey world at those tournaments, it's a, it's a great networking opportunity and it's an unbelievable tournament in general, just the way they put it on. All right. Let's talk a little Phantoms hockey here now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the chair in your office isn't even uh, warm yet for starters. <laughs> I don't even know if I have a chair. (laughs) How did you get connected with the ownership ownership group in Youngstown as Brad uh, Patterson's reached the end of his contract or 13 year run? You know, can you walk us through how that uh, relationship began and and now obviously ended as the head coach? Yeah, I, I, uh, the, the GMs there, Ryan Kosecki and Jason Deskins, I've, I've, you know, I, I can't say I've known them for a while, but we've always crossed paths. I've coached against those guys um, for a while and, uh, you know, just getting to know them and, um, you know, really everything kind of aligned with just our, our kind of insight on player development. I think that was the biggest thing. And we, we started talking and um, it was right around, you know, probably the, I forget exact time, a few weeks ago here, a month ago. And, um, you know, just kind of chatting and, and, and talking about players and player development and, and, you know, what kind of my vision would be for a USHL team and everything kind of just clicked pretty quick and it aligned. And, um, you know, I think the, the cool thing for me is anytime you're in a successful organization, I think everyone's on the same page from top to bottom with, with player evaluation, with player development, with, with how you want to see your teams play with, you, you know, like this isn't a league. I, I mean, obviously everyone wants to win, but I think most importantly um, you have to develop, develop players in a winning environment, right? So our goal from a leadership perspective of the organization needs to be to take these kids and, and give them every resource and tool to reach their full potential and be professional hockey players, right? Um, of course, 95% of the league ends up playing division one hockey and our job is to get them ready to step in there. But at the end of the day, like I want these guys to leave Youngstown and, and understand what it's like to, to be a professional. And I think to be a professional hockey player and, and that's embracing the monotony of a season of, you know, skill development pods and video and, and routine and structure and, and, you know, really playing a brand of hockey that's going to get them to the next level and, and allow them to maximize their output on and off the ice. So um, I think all of that stuff just kind of aligned and, and it, it worked out. I mean, obviously for me, this is my first head coaching job in the USHL and, and um, you know, I'm excited about it. I think I've talked to our players here over the past week and, um, you know, I think everyone's kind of on board with how we're going to play and the identity of, of our organization. And I think all of that stuff lining up makes it a lot easier just to kind of go through the process uh, season by season, week by week, month by month, game by game um, of how you're going to run everything. So you have a few of your assistant or a few assistant coaches back, which will uh, be nice for some continuity. For sure. Uh, sure. It seems like the Phantoms have a very uh, large hockey operation department. I believe when I was looking at it, counted at 12 people under coaches and hockey staff on the website, obviously beginning with Keith Primo and, and yourself down to the trainers. Is, is that a normal staff size for a USHL franchise? Yeah, I think, I think you're seeing staff sizes grow, but at the end of the day, um, the, the most important thing is getting guys that are going to surround the players with different experience and different voices and different opportunities to, to learn from. Right. And I think, I mean, you look at the top, like Keith Primo, I mean, talk about leadership and being a captain. Like I'm not sure there's a better guy to learn from there. So um, I think, I think one of the unique things and, and really how, 
I look at building an organization and building a staff and building a team is trying to surround these guys with the best possible people. Right. So um, I know our staff and my meetings with Andy Contoy and Brandon Gawkin, like th- these guys are, are a plus people. And, and Andy is, is a great mind. Like just everything kind of just that we're talking about in philosophies is just flowing. And, and I think, you know, those guys are willing to bring things to the table and different ideas. And I think that's from the GM's, you know, ownership to the president, to the GM, um, all the way down. And like I said, like if we can get younger guys involved to do video and things like that, I, I feel like having a big staff for the players to lean on is super important. Um, and I think that's kind of the way it's going, like um, surrounding these guys with different voices, I think is vastly important. And, um, you know, I don't think we're the biggest staff in the USHL, but um, we certainly want to surround our players with, with the most possible resources to get better. Absolutely. Can you talk to us about the Black Bear Sports Group and how the Phantoms fit into that family of teams? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm still kind of learning uh, all about it myself. I, I think um, Murray and those guys, uh, the ownership group, um, obviously are doing a tremendous job trying to um, help out youth hockey across the country. I think they own upwards of 36, 37 rinks now. Um, you know, and, and I think those, the, the people in their ranks and the programs in their ranks benefit from a little bit of um, continuity of, of service and things like that. So um, the biggest thing for me, and I think how it all relates is obviously, you know, the junior level, we have the Mercer Chiefs and the NCDC, Maryland Black Bears and the NAHL, and then obviously the Youngstown Phantoms. So, um, you know, there's, there's positives to that too, and having a clear path for um, development and succession for the players. Um, you know, as far as all the youth stuff, stuff and all that, I, I don't, I haven't really got my feet super wet in that, but I do think that, um, you know, in talking with our GMs, it's, it's a pretty unique opportunity to have, um, at least three levels of junior hockey under one umbrella. So let's talk about the team a little bit. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, phase one and phase two drafts for a couple of weeks ago. And for listeners who might not know, phase one is basically first year junior eligible kids, 16 year olds. Yeah, it's, it's after your U15 year. So this year was 06, next year will be 07. And then phase two is any junior eligible 16 to 20 year old that's not on a USHL roster. Correct. So those two drafts happen. I'm not sure how many players were added uh, during that process. There was a trade completed with Omaha a few weeks ago uh, to bring in three players, Jack Wilson, Sam Sheets, and Garrett Wright. Um how many play? I thought I saw somewhere where there's a 70 player reserve list or something like that. Yeah. How many, how many players do you have to familiarize yourself? Cause it's not, uh, this level is a little different. It's not like the NHL where you draft a guy and he shows up for camp kids that have other options. Yep. And, you know, we talked about some kids, uh, uh, there was a uh, Ryan Rosinski, a local yep. kid here in Cleveland got drafted by you guys also got drafted by an OHL team. So, um, if you could just kind of talk through the process of putting the roster together over the summer, like where do you start, you know, with veterans and tenders and draft picks, how do you, how many camps are you, do you end up doing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's, it's, you know what, it's something that would be super confusing if you haven't lived it. Um, for me, I basically worry about 50 players, right? So we have our protected lists and um, obviously those get cut down as, as we go here through the summer and into the season. Um, but for me, you're worried about your draft picks, your guys that are on your initial protected list. Um, it ends up being right around 50 for 
sake of just talking. Um, <clears throat> so I familiarize, familiarize myself with those guys and, and obviously, um, you know, have called our, our returning players and, and, you know, the guys, our draft picks and, and things like that. So, um, you know, you're, you're, we're starting to put that together, right? Like a lot of the phase two draft, the guys do have other options. Phase one, typically speaking, um, those are guys that are, are not, typically ready to play in the USHL that will need another year at their local clubs or, you know, wherever that may be. Um, and then you get into phase two and then you start hitting on organizational needs. Right. So we made a trade to get in the, um, a second pick in the first round because we needed certain things in the first round and, and we got those and, and we feel real good about that. And, um, you know, you do your homework on all that stuff and make sure that they're going to come to the league. And like you said, a lot of people have different options, whether it's the British Columbia hockey league or major junior, um, and for the European players, they might have options to play pro back home. Um, they might have options to play in major junior as well in the import draft. So, um, you know, it is a lot of kind of this time of year is a little bit of recruiting. It's a little bit of getting to know the returning players um, and, and really just building the pieces that you need to have success. Now, the fortunate we're fortunate in Youngstown that we have a, an unbelievable group of players coming back um, just from a leadership perspective, from a skill perspective, from a an identity perspective of how we want to play. I think uh, we have a great group of players coming back and um, we've added pieces, whether it be, you know, I thought our phase one draft was excellent. Um, we got a ton of, of talent in that phase one draft. I thought our phase two draft filled the needs that we, we had as an organization. Um, so I'm super excited. Like, obviously I think um, from top to bottom, we, 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 I think everyone's probably pretty excited right now, but from top to bottom, I really like where we're at, um, especially when we're going to implement a, a few different things here coming up. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like it's, it's a, it's a whole puzzle and it's different. Every, the unique thing is phase one is like the NFL draft. You're getting the talent, right. And then phase two is kind of like where you're filling organizational fit. And that's a totally different puzzle for every USHL team. And that's kind of the cool thing about the phase two draft is you could trade up and take a guy and someone's like, why would they take, why would they take that kid? You know? And it's just like, you love him. He fits what you need. And that's what it is. So it's kind of a really cool puzzle uh, to, to try to project where guys fit in your team, but also how other teams value those players in the phase two draft. So, um, you know, it's a very confusing thing for, um, probably parents that don't know much about the USHL or much about the process. Um, a lot of people think if you don't get drafted in phase one, it's the end all be all for them. Um, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's better to get drafted in phase two because you're more ready to play in the league. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I thought our guys did a phenomenal job of preparing for it and uh, super excited about who, we're, who we added. And when do you get to get out on the ice with uh, these kids and Who's going to be on the ice? Is it so? So if you drafted my my son in the phase one draft, how long do you hold his rights? Yeah, I mean that totally. I mean, I mean it's totally, else. it's totally. I mean, you could, you could hold his rights for three years. You know, it's just it's totally different with based on you have to you only have certain spots that you can have a, a birth year. Like right now, I think it's two oh fours on your protected list, and then so it's totally different based on who makes your team and. Um, who's on your initial roster and your 30 man cut down. Like I think July, mid July is you cut down to your 30 man list. And then um, September 20th, you cut down to your 25 man list, but then you have your, you know, 18 affiliates or whatever it is. Um, so it's it throughout the summer, there's different deadlines. Um, our main camp is July 11th through 17th. Um, that's really when you get your first look at the players coming into your camp. So that'll be your draft picks, your returners, 
um, you know, some free agent invites uh, to camp. And then from there you pick your, you know, basically your 30 man plus your affiliate list. And then you take that into training camp in Youngstown um, at the, you know, September one. And then by September 20th, you cut it down to your 25 man. And then you're playing in the USHL fall classic the next weekend in Pittsburgh. So, I, forgive me. Cause I, I don't know this answer. That's I guess why I'm asking it. And I'm also uh, out of sync with asking questions. So I apologize if I butcher this ahead of time. All good. When you're trying to decide on, on, on your draft picks, I'm, I'm assuming you've had conversations with be it uh, uh, family advisors or agents or however you want to word it. And what if a player identifies that I, I have no desire to play in the NCAA. I have no desire to, to uh, pursue a, a collegiate career, if you will. And, and I'm, we have some offers in, in a major a, how much do you guys take that into consideration when going ahead to choose a player or is it just, Hey, we think we can convince them and, He'd be a heck of a player. He's a need for us. He, he's the, the talents there. Maybe we can sway him. How, I, I don't. Yeah. Maybe I'm really confused. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's a really great question. And honestly, sometimes you'll have. His ears are smoking over here. His yeah. brain's on fire. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's a great question. And, and you have to take all of that into consideration. And generally speaking, I mean, family advisors, they're, they're, they're great. Cause you can't really burn bridges with guys. Right. So they're not going to lie to you, but they're going to tell you like, Hey, listen, like he's strongly considering major junior. Right. And if that's the case, um, he probably falls down the draft a little bit and eventually someone takes a chance on him and you try to recruit him. Right. Um, now there's other ways that people play it where people say, Hey, we're going to go to major junior because they want to fall to a certain team or whatnot. But um, at the end of the day, I think that there's so many people out there that have relationships and there's so many people that you build relationships throughout this process. Um, that you get a good idea. And if you do your due diligence and things like that, you can understand what a player's, you know, priorities are. And, um, you know, typically speaking, if there is a major threat to go major junior, then you're probably not taking them in the top three rounds. And then maybe you try to, you hit a home run in the seventh, eighth, ninth, or 10th in the phase one. And you, you go for it because if, if you lose a player to major junior out of the phase one draft, you get a comp pick okay. the next year. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little safer to do that with um, phase one picks uh, phase two, if you lose a player, you don't get anything. So you got to really, really be sure um, that you're doing that. And sometimes you, you swing and miss on something and sometimes you hit a home run. And I think that's just kind of what you, uh, what you do and the work you put into it and the due diligence you do. And um, that's why it's so impressive with our staff, like the guys that um, the network that they have and, and the guys that they've talked to, like, I, I think they do a great job. So that's a great question. It definitely comes into, um, you know, your, your draft preparation. Well, coach, um, obviously the USHL and, and uh, these tier uh, one programs are, are community based and, you know, bring the community into this as well. And, and um, obviously you're, you're very newly hired and, uh, you know, what, what are you most excited about uh, getting to work and, you know, getting to, to Youngstown and getting going, not only with the team, but the community and all that. Yeah. I mean, listen, the Cavelli center is a beautiful building. It's a great spot. I mean, hockey, the, the, the footprint of the USHL is in such a wholesome region of the United States, right. From Northeast Ohio, all the way West to, to Kearney. Um, and obviously, you know, North to, to Wisconsin there and, and the Dakotas um, it, it's just, and you see this a little bit in OHL towns and that was what was so cool about working in the OHL, but working in the USHL, you're, you're, for the most part, you're in towns that 
you know, this is their lifeblood, right? They want to come watch the games. Like obviously Youngstown's a bigger city than some of these Midwestern towns. Um, but for me, like having players that are there basically in these towns to play hockey and they're the main attraction part and people live it and they, they sleep it. Um, it's such a cool feeling from whether you're a coach or a player um, to, to be, to have that experience in these leagues um, and cut your teeth. Like it's such a great experience. So first and foremost, being in junior hockey, whether it's the OHL, the USHL, like is a special feeling. Right. And I, I think to me, I'm excited to be at this level again. Um, I'm excited to be a head coach, obviously. Um, you know, and I'm excited to go to Youngstown. I think that um, this program has been building. I think Jason Deskins and Ryan Kosecki have done a great job um, with ownerships, resources, and help and support um, of, of, of turning Youngstown into a destination. And I think um, one of the things that I've been most excited about when talking to our players and our returning players um, is how excited they are to get going and how excited, like they're already back after it. You know what I mean? They're already back after it in the gym. Um, you know, they had a huge improvement this year from a point standpoint, um, but everyone's excited to get going. I think for me, that, that's, that's no different, right? It, it, obviously, you know, first time head coach in the league. Like I, I wish I could wake up tomorrow and it was September. And um, obviously we want to, we want to win some games for, for the city of Youngstown and get people to the rink and um, you know, take, take the next step and then have Youngstown become a destination. And I think it 1000% can. Um, you know, there's a huge commitment right now from ownership and our general managers to, to invest in the program. And, and we're going to see hopefully the fruits of that really soon. Here. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, coach, we, we can't thank you enough for uh, using our platform to come on and talk a little bit about uh, your beginning start here in uh, uh, Youngstown. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. Um, let's, let's try to chat again, maybe sometime during the season. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a little side note here. Thanks for what you guys do too. Like obviously you're in the the breadbasket of America there in Ohio and the the crossroads there and um, I think it's awesome that you guys uh, you know bring bring attention to all the programs throughout the Midwest and Ohio and uh, take care of your people there. So um, kudos to you guys for doing what you're doing, spending the time. And if there's ever anything you need from me, uh, we'll definitely do this. All right, again. coach. Thanks. That's Ryan Ward, the head coach of the Youngstown Phantoms. Thanks, coach. See you guys. Thanks, Ryan. What a great show we had here today. Uh, you know, we're talking a little bit about uh, what coach had to say, but first started off one. It's great to be back in with all you guys. Yeah, It's fun Two, um, Scott. I know you had to eat a little humble pie there from Tyler Whitten. You know, I mean, he looked good over there drinking out of the, the cup. He did. I, hey, you, you don't get it done. That's what happened. <laughs> I didn't get it done. No. I, I mean, no... you, you could have been sitting on your front porch That's drinking exactly, a bush light. Exactly. <laughs> so what our what our listeners didn't next year, what our listeners didn't see is uh, Coach Ward came in on the Zoom as we were having that conversation with Tyler. And he was just laughing and enjoying himself <laughs> there. So um, and then we had a chance to talk to Ryan Ward, uh, newly hired uh, Youngstown Phantoms head coach. You know, we, we talked to him and, and, and I, th I think he was very candid about, hey, this is my first head coaching job and it's at a high level yeah. and there's a lot of expectations. But man, does this guy have some uh, experience and background of breaking the game down, getting kids developed and all that. So I, I'm, I'm interested. I wish the guy the best of luck. He's a great guy. Great conversation. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, he's got an interesting, uh, unconventional background, I guess, for a head coach of a USHL team. But he's been, you know, behind the bench in the OHL as an assistant coach. He's worked with NHL organizations. You know, he's been around the USHL for the last two years in a player development role. So 
he's got all 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 the tools he needs there in terms of identifying players and 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 that. So I'm sure he's looking forward to getting all the guys out on the ice there in July. You know, I think that how he went about his career is like you said, it's unconventional for a head coach, 100%. At 12, 13 years old, he's an equipment guy for the Providence Bruins. And he's a video coach throughout leagues. He's skill development throughout leagues. He's assistant coach throughout leagues. And now he's the head coach of, of a tier one junior program in the United States Hockey League. And, I mean, you want to talk about pulling your boots up and going to work. This man knows how to do that. Right. So coming in to an established organization <laughs> – and with, as he said, you know, at late in the, in the interview of, uh, you know, an excitement of the guys back training and getting ready to go back onto the ice and, and, and do their thing. So happy for the guy. So yeah. happy. I mean, he, I, I don't want to say paid his dues that, that, that I don't like that term, but he worked his butt off to learn, as he said, what he's a one plus one equals three. So you have how you think you're watching how someone else thinks you put that together, you come up with your own voice and, and you're trying to make these players better. And as he said, you know, treat them as pros, get them to understand what that feels like, what that entails. That's a hard thing for young guys to, to, to grasp that routine. And, but if you don't have that routine, maybe you don't go where you want to go. And he's done the work at the, I want to say grassroots level. The video guys are grassroots equipment guys are grassroots skill development, grassroots. He knows what that takes to get to a level. Now he's the head guy overseeing it all. It's fantastic. I'm happy for him. Yeah. And, and uh, what was it a, about a month, two months ago, whatever you went to a young son game yeah. and you just, you, you came back and said the, the level of play is crazy, crazy out of, out of control. If you're a, a big hockey fan and you're, I don't know how far it is from Columbus to Youngstown, but if you're in the Cleveland area, I'm on the West side of Cleveland. It was like an hour 15, whatever. There's some nice places to do show prep you know, down near the arena and <laughs> no, no $5. Uh, Calzone, <laughs> no, no $5 tell, yeah. And then, you know, we can walk over for the game and it's just, it's, it's really good hockey. I mean, uh, if you haven't been over there, you, you, you owe it to yourself to do that. And uh, they, I, I would like to see them get some bigger crowds there yeah. to make sure that the team remains there. Well, and, and maybe here in the, in the future, we might be seeing some Cleveland boys in there. Like, like you said, Rosinski, Ryan Rosinski was uh, drafted there. So, uh, we might get some uh, some Cleveland flavor over there as well. That would be great. I saw Curtis Hall play out there yeah. a couple years back. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. Check out www.ohiohockeydigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests. Continuing to grow the game the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. <laughs>